You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome or welcome back to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we are in our final installment, which is either a sad thing or a happy thing, depending on whether you've been enjoying these or not. Exactly. Of the Goddess series, talking about the characteristics of God. And although it maybe has seemed like we've been in this for a while, we haven't even begun to cover all of the things that we could talk about. No, and again, I always just think it's good to be reminded of that as you start, that that God is much bigger than even the attributes and the topics that we're dealing with. And again, Mm -hmm. he's beyond our comprehension. Mm -hmm. Finite talking about the infinite is always going to leave you wanting and guessing Mm -hmm. and all of those kinds of things. Um, I always liked Tony Campola used to say, hey, any man's theology is at best guess. Yep. Because we're going to really understand that in the presence of God in greater ways. I'd say the same thing about his character and his attributes as well. All we're doing is taking scripture and doing the best we can to sort of give this picture of who God is. But he's much greater than what you and I have the ability to communicate. And it boggles my mind because even the attributes we do have, we can't fully understand. But those are only the attributes that God has allowed us to know about himself. There's probably... Many more. Very much so. Yes. So today we have gotten to the final one, probably the biggest one, uh, and the one most associated with God. We're going to speak to the sovereignty of God. Um, and again, a word we're familiar with, but a word that takes on new meaning when we associate it with God. So give us a little definition of what sovereignty means when we speak about God's character. Yeah. Sovereignty would just be the absolute reign and rule of God over his creation, not only just his creation, but also the affairs of man, so that he has absolute sort of control over everything that's going on in this world and even what goes on in our lives. In fact, I would go as far as to say this, and this is going to be a little controversial, but we can talk it through a little bit, is I think everything that happens in this world was either a conscious choice of God or happened because of God's permissive will. In other words, he allowed it. Hmm. Because if everything God is sovereign over, there is no such thing as luck or chance in this world. If God's in charge of it, then either he decided that needed to happen, or in his permissive will, he allowed it to happen, which I know gets into some difficult and dark areas But the idea is this, God's got to be Mm -hmm. sovereign. So Mm -hmm. he's got to be over all of creation and he's got to be over all of the affairs of man. Mm -hmm. Now, because I know that that is kind of a knife to the heart type of statement, let's make sure we know that there's a difference between causing something and allowing something because we've already talked that God is perfectly good. But we're now also saying that even the evil that happens in this world is allowed by God. So differentiate that for us for just a second. I've been in the book of Daniel, so I always keep going back there, but... There was a sense in which, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And then they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, hey, we believe our God is able to save us. And then they say the second phrase, we believe that he's desirous of mm. saving us. That that's, mm. It's his will. And that's always the difficulty, isn't it? I don't think we ever question the omnipotence of God, that he can do anything that he wants to do. I, I think most people can buy into that. The second part, though, is the difficult part, is, well, does he want to? Is it his will to do so? And then if it 
is in his will to do so, how do we struggle with that? Why didn't he intervene in an accident? Why didn't he take away cancer? Why didn't he restore my marriage? Mm -hmm. I mean, we know he can, but the question becomes, uh, why didn't he? Uh, Steve Brown, who was one of my favorite preachers, who was a professor at RTS as well, used to say this, there's nothing in this world that doesn't, first of all, pass through the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Mm. Meaning, this is a God who loved you so much that he sent his only son that was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. So nothing happens in this mm. world that doesn't, first of all, pass through this God who loved you so much. So... I think he sees from an eternal perspective. I think mm -hmm. we don't. I think even his permissive will, some of the things that he allows, though we don't see on this world, I do believe mm -hmm. from an eternal perspective one day we'll see. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you the age-old theological question then. If God is fully in control and he controls everything that's happening, but you and I still make our own decisions, how do the two of those things collide? Where does our free will yeah. meet up with God's sovereignty? Theologians call this an antinomy. So if you want a new word today, your new word from a theological perspective is antinomy, meaning two things can parallel, be parallel in life, exist together, running down the same path, and never cross. Mm -hmm. So I think the classic example is this. We know from Ephesians chapter 1 that God predestined those who are going to come to salvation mm -hmm. before the foundation of the world. But we also know, both in Mark chapter 8, and then again it's repeated in Revelation chapter 22, whosoever will may come. Hmm. You go, well, how can those two things coexist? Both he predestines something and he says, hey, whoever will, go ahead and come. It's what theologians call this antinomy, meaning hmm. these two things exist together in the mind of God. We don't, as finite creatures, be able to fully understand it. But the, both of those things mm. are true, that mm. God works in his sovereignty to draw people to himself, and you and I have a decision to make as mm. well. And, and for me, you know, not fully understanding the mind of God is okay. That's not okay mm -hmm. for a lot of people, but I, I think as soon as you fully understand God, he's not God anymore. Mm -hmm. So some things have to reside in the mind of God. And for me, that's one of them. Mm -hmm. When I see people wrestle with this, I've uh, met with a lot of college students because they're typically choosing their next career path or what they want to do next. And the question it always seems to boil down to is, can I, mess, can I mess that up? Can I mess up what God has predestined for me or what his plan is for me, what his will is for me? Can I make the wrong choice? And all of a sudden, I'm no longer on the sovereign path of what God has. Yeah. Here would be my response to that. No. Mm. Can you take a different path to get there? Yes, I, I'll give you this example. Let's say we decided, and you and I just got back from Michigan. So we decided we're going to go from Sioux City to Michigan. You could take 20. Are you going yeah. to talk about how we went the wrong way? Is that yeah, we, we could talk about how you got through Chicago. <laughs> we won't. But you could take 80. You could take 20. You could probably take 500 different directions. Some of them would be good and some of them not so good. The one you took, not so good. But the reality is we're going to end up the same destination. I think that's true with regards mm. to the sovereign will of God as well. I think we're all going to end up exactly where God wanted mm. us to be. Some of us are going to take a shorter route, and some of us are going to take your route mm -hmm. through Chicago, mm. and it's going to take a longer time. But I do believe the sovereign will of God is done in people's lives 
even if you take a different path in order to get mm-hmm. there. I was reading about this this week and a line stuck out to me. It said that God works actively in our obedience and passively in our disobedience. And then they gave the example of Joseph and his brothers, how even though they were disobeying what God wanted for them to do, how he wanted them to behave, that God was still working in that. And the same carries over to us. I think that's a great point. And, and, it, and it really is the playing out of Romans eight twenty eight that God mm-hmm. takes all things. Not all things are good but he takes all things and works them together for our ultimate good. I think his will is accomplished. Uh, I think, for instance, one of the wills of God is this, is that we're all going to worship him. And and someday we are. Some of us are going to worship him in heaven, and some of us are going to worship him in hell. I mean, that's just the reality of it. There are no atheists in hell. I I, I think there we're going to understand fully who he is. So, So recognize that God's plans are always carried out. There's just different pathways in order to get there. So let me take a skeptic perspective for just a second and take you through a few topics. If God is sovereign, if he has a plan and he has a will, why should I pray? (laughs) Yeah, my professor's systematic theology in uh, RTS wrote a book, and the book title always has stuck with me, If God Already Knows, Why Pray? Mm -hmm. If he knows everything, Mm -hmm. if he's sovereign, over everything, then why in the world pray? In fact, my name is in the front of that book. I was one of the editors of that <laughs> the book. The only, only reason you just brought that up is so that you could say uh, that. <laughs> Douglas Kelly, if God already knows why pray, look at the front. My two copies sold, both to two Jeff, copies one to your mom. My mom bought several. Uh, the idea behind it is just simply this. Somehow, in the sovereign will of God, he's made allowances for the prayers of his people. So mm-hmm. Our prayers don't change the mind of God, but somehow in this God who knows everything from beginning to end, he makes allowance for the prayers of his people. You see it in the story of the unjust judge and the pestering Mm -hmm. widow and eventually goes, listen, because she kept pestering me, finally I gave her justice. So there is a need for us to pray and somehow it plays into the sovereign will of God. Does that mean I think God changes his mind or changes his will? No. But somehow within that, God has made allowances for the Mm -hmm. prayers of his people. So keep praying. All right. So you mentioned this earlier, talking about, you know, God has predestined who's going to come to him. But obviously, a huge part of Sunnybrook and who we are is seek people who don't know Jesus. Go out, evangelize, draw people to God. We encourage people to do that all the time. But if God has already predestined who he wants to draw to himself, why evangelize? Yeah, we'd have to do 45 (laughs) podcasts in order to get to this answer. But one of the best books out there was written by J.I. Packard. It's called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. That again, much like the issue of prayer, though God predestines, God works in the heart of people. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, you know, we're all dead in our sins and transgressions. Dead men don't have the ability to look up to God. But God, who does a work in us, a work of regeneration, drawing us to himself, he begins that work. But you and I have a role in that, much like prayer. It's not as if God has somehow made allowances for his will in terms of who would come to know him. You and I are a part of his plan and his purpose. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, one of the, the simple reasons for evangelism is obedience. Mm-hmm. God said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, he stood on the mount right before he ascends, and he says to his disciples, here's your responsibility. Go do evangelism. So part of it is obedience. But much like prayer, there's also this sense in which God, in his sovereign will, 
has taken into account the fact that you and I are going to be his mouthpiece and his spokesperson. In fact, he's not going to come again until the gospel is preached to the four corners of the world. So there is some responsibility on our part. And how those two things work together, again, is sort of that antinomy, two things that are parallel, that don't cross, but are both true, that you and I have responsibility of sharing the gospel with people, and yet God ultimately who's mm-hmm. sovereign over man draws people to mm-hmm. himself. Those two things work together, though it's difficult to understand in our mind. All right, I'll do one more skeptic question, and then I'll let you off the hook. But if God is all good and he's all in control, why is he still even allowing sin? I mean, if he could create this perfect world where there isn't sin, why is there still sin in things that are happening in the world? Yeah, how we say to people, listen, if God's going to eliminate sin from this world, he's going to eliminate you and I. Mm-hmm. And First Peter says, listen, he's not willing that any should perish. So God has this patience with regards to the sin of the world. Why did he allow it in the first place? I would say he understood that somehow he would be better glorified by allowing that in his permissive will. God obviously doesn't create sin. God himself can't sin. He certainly didn't allow sin into creation except in his permissive will. He didn't create it, but in his permissive will he allowed it. I think simply because he could be glorified better in that. Mm. He didn't want to make us into robots. He wanted to give people a free choice, free will with regards to, you know, not robotically worshiping, but making them choice to worship. So I think that's one of the reasons in his permissive will he allowed Mm. that. And the reason he doesn't eliminate it is because he's patient. He knows Mm. the moment he eliminates, he's going to have to eliminate me and he's going to have to eliminate you and the entire world in it. He did that once Mm -hmm. in the flood of mankind. Uh, It's one of the reasons to this very day we see a rainbow in the sky. It just reminds us of that covenant that God made. I'm never going to judge the world in that fashion until Jesus comes again. All right, I'll stop being a skeptic for a second. Let's go to the good side just really quickly. What, what does God's sovereignty mean for us? If we could consider from the promise side or from the promise perspective as followers of him, what can we rest in if we consider God's sovereignty? Yeah, I think it gives us some real confidence. Mm. I do. I think it, it's the sense in which... You know, we recognize everything that happens in our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have confidence that God is Lord over the good, the bad. Mm -hmm. We recognize that somehow that's going to bring about ultimate good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think not only does it bring confidence, I think it brings strength. Mm -hmm. I think this idea that somehow I can do all things through this sovereign God who strengthens me, Paul says. Mm -hmm. I think it brings comfort, uh, recognizing there's no accidents in this world. Mm -hmm that even as difficult it is maybe to go through a loss of a child or a divorce or not being healed from cancer, we look at it and go, well, listen, nothing happens outside of this sovereign plan of God. If he rules and reigns over creation and over the affairs of man, then we're going to have to trust him in this. Mm -hmm. And and one day, maybe on the other Mm -hmm. side of eternity, you and I are going to be able to see that. But uh, I think those are some of the things the sovereignty of God brings to us, comfort, confidence, uh, strength, all of those kinds of things. Now, again, I know we've said this before, but there are just some incredible resources out there about the character of God. Um, I've read both of the Jen Wilkin books that we have available at the four store and could not recommend them enough. There's a Tony Evans book there that you've read that is incredible as well. So I would encourage you to read. I said this on Sunday, but there is nothing better that you can pursue with your life than chasing after Uh, the character of God and the attributes of God. So I would encourage you to do that. Thanks so much for joining us today. We will see you next time. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, 
or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.